630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right. Hope you're having a good evening. Yes, this uh, would have been a game day. It is not. Oilers <laughs> will be back in game action on Saturday when they play the Toronto Maple Leafs. You'll hear from a couple members of the Edmonton Oilers in a minute or two here on Inside Sports. Really appreciate you tuning in. Lots of good comments on the referee situation with Tim Peel. You'll hear some uh, pretty thoughtful stuff from Tim en- or, uh, Tyler Ennis coming up here in uh, a few seconds. I do want to update the NHL scoreboard. You may have heard it earlier. The Senators in a game that started at 3 o'clock Mountain Time. By the way, the Oilers have one of these in Ottawa on Wednesday, April 7th. They're going to play at 3 in the afternoon Mountain Time in Ottawa. The Senators beat the Flames 3-1, so Calgary just 2-4-1 against the Senators this season. Calgary drops to 15-16-3 and on the season. The Senators are now 12 12- 20 and 3. The Penguins lead the Sabres 2-1 early in the second period. The Wild have beaten the Ducks 3-2. Wild bump their record to 20-10 and 1, having a pretty good season. Coming up later, Jets at Canucks, Kings at Sharks. As we touch on the NHL action tonight, the Raptors have lost 9 in a row, but they are taking it to the Denver Nuggets so far today at halftime. The Raptors up 72-54, tons of points in the first half. Nuggets having a pretty good season. They're 26 and 17. All right. Rob and Capilano says, I used to ref soccer many years ago and can understand how Tim Feel feels. Had many times when I felt I uh, missed a call or made a bad call and it had to be made up. That is uh, Rob and Capilano. Of course, no, Rob, the uh, Capilano. What, what, do they, what do they call the soccer association in Capilano? Is it the Capilano Soccer Association? The Capilano Premier League? I don't know. Kellen, do you know? Negative. Kellen's not there. Kellen went home early. No, I'm here. <laughs> Sorry, I can hardly, I can, I can hardly hear you. Oh, that's I just, all right. I just picture you being so disgusted. You just walk out of the studio while the show's I'm on. I'm literally sta- I'm standing with my terrible. arms folded right now, much like a bouncer just, outside a bar. <laughs> you're like my own personal Waldorf and Stadler. Exactly. But all rolled into one. Old, you're just an old curmudgeon. That's one of my favorite words, by the way, curmudgeon. Okay. Well, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, no, interesting discussion on the referees, and I appreciate people who chimed in tonight. Uh, Tyler Ennis from your Edmonton Oilers was asked about the perceived game management that's done by referees. First of all, I think, you know, they have a tough job. There's a lot of stuff going on, um, you know, on the ice that, uh, you know, people don't see, and uh, it's moving quickly, and you know, we demand a lot. We get fired up. There's a lot of emotions out there. So, uh, you know, tempers are flaring and, um, you know, it's, uh, you, you can disagree either way. You know, we, we get into arguments with the refs a lot, but it usually settles itself out throughout the game. So in a situation like that, you feel for, uh, you know, everyone involved, but uh, at the end of the day, the game has to be called fairly. Yeah, I thought that was pretty thoughtful there from uh, from Tyler Ennis, who's a veteran in the league. And as he said, sometimes you you, you get in fights with the with the referees. But I, I do think ultimately there's a, there's a lot of mutual respect between the players and the refs and, and the coaches too. And Dave Tippett explained what he expects from refs night after night. Well, you could call every 
every infraction, but there's there's kind of different degrees of it. You know, the game it just happens so fast. Like, so just take for instance, you got a guy that and, and go to Connor. Like how many times he gets not slashed, but guys try to hook his hands. Sometimes they get a stick. Sometimes it looks like it goes to his hand off his shin pad. I mean, if you just if they called every one of those, we'd have a bunch of power plays a game, you know? So, and it's funny when the, when the game's on, there's someone all say, oh, that should have been a call, but then I'll look at it later and, and say, you know, that would, that probably shouldn't have been a call. So there is, there is some things, but there is, there is a, uh, you know, spec, you know, you go to the, the concept of, okay, there's regular season refereeing and there's, there's playoff refereeing, right? regular season usually there's more called reps in the playoffs they'll usually let more go because the play the the reps don't want to be have an impact on the outcome of the game so they're not going to call a, a soft call they're going to they're going to let the players dictate it ultimately i think that's the way players would like it but you know when you have a call in a game that may be perceived as a soft call then from a coaching standpoint, you look at, okay, that's the standard that's set for tonight. So you're looking for a bunch of more soft calls, you know, and if there's, if that's not called, then everything evens out. So there's lots of feelings that go into the game, but it's, it happens so fast. It's so hard for the referees. It's, it's, um, I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect solution for it. So uh, Dave Tippett, and, and again, you know, pretty thoughtful. I think you just want the the consistency in the game ref the same way from the first minute to uh, to the final minute. I, I asked Dave Tippett today, okay, you, you got all this practice time and you didn't have a lot of practice time this season, and, but now is like, is this too much? Players prefer playing to practicing. How are you dealing with all this? We actually played today, so lots of scrimmage today. We we did a few drills and then had uh, a couple periods of scrimmage, so they got to play today. We played a little three-on-three. So that part of it, uh, I think the same as you just mentioned, they like to play. So we're, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit different, but we actually, we do have some practice time. There's some things we want to work on, but we also got to be cognizant of you got to keep them fresh minded. And so we got out there, played a little bit. They had some fun playing against each other. And Mike Smith gave up two bad goals and pulled himself already. So it's, uh, it was it was a good day. <laughs> All right. Mike Smith gave up a couple of bad goals and pulled himself. Well, you can see Mike Smith doing that. He's a pretty outgoing guy. That's uh, how the Oilers uh, hit the ice today. Again, they'll practice tomorrow in Montreal and expect them to fly to Toronto tomorrow. I should uh, I should say this. I, I know in the past, whenever I've said a curmudgeon, I always have a couple people like, what is a curmudgeon? Uh, the definition of a curmudgeon, and I just Googled it quickly to make sure I get it exactly right, a bad-tempered person, especially an old one. So, yes, like Waldorf and Stadler from The Muppet Show. And then when I Googled that, you know, it gives you the little automatic questions underneath. What is a female curmudgeon called? Well, it fills us in. Curmudgeon is a unisex term. There is no female version. It is an all-encompassing word for a person who finds no joy in life. None. <laughs> wow. There we go. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, Haley Wickenheiser is definitely not a curmudgeon. She's coming up next.
Thanks for tuning in tonight. Pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports one of Canada's all-time greatest hockey players. It is Haley Wickenheiser. Haley, how are you doing? I'm good, Reed. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always a treat to have you on the show. It's, it's been about a year since we uh, we last spoke, and I, I think we'll go down uh, th- that path here of some of those things we talked about a year ago in a mm-hmm. few minutes. But I, I got to offer you congratulations. I mean, I've always been a big uh, fan of uh, of U Sports or CIS, as it used to be called, and uh, you've been named to the Canada West uh, Hall of Fame, which is uh, which is pretty cool because I thought you know you were you were already a well known athlete when you went to the UFC, so I think you raised the profile of uh, uh, of Canada West hockey uh, even higher. But tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I don't know. Do I call it a back to school experience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, for sure. I mean, it was uh, one of the best experiences that I've actually had in my hockey career was to go back and be a student athlete again, and uh, I thought it actually made me a bit more of a balanced hockey player you know have, not having to think about hockey 24 hours a day and focusing on academics and then with the dinos we were able to win a national championship and i got to play for danielle goyette who was my line mate my teammate for so many years and that was awesome every day going to practice and you know exactly how the other person thinks and our philosophies align so um, it was it was a great experience i mean certainly the the hockey for it wasn't the level of the national team but uh, I actually found it almost more challenging because it was you had to go every day and figure out how to make players around you better and how to win uh, with the team. So it was a lot of fun being a part of that and uh, something I'll never forget. What, what was it like? Uh, I mean, I mean, look, you're you're well known. Uh, did it take? I, I I know you're probably too modest to answer this, but I'll ask it anyway. Like, were your teammates a little bit? in awe of you did you have to be like hey i'm a player like everybody else this sort of thing (laughs) well i think there were two things you know you know i was a little bit older than most of my teammates uh going back a little bit later um i definitely had a, a hockey resume probably a little bit more involved than most of theirs but it didn't take long actually and the reason i think the equalizing factor was i was also a student so i was um in fact getting help from a lot of them quite often getting through courses or you know studying together and it sort of normalized things out very early on and so then when we hit the rink and hit the ice they were like oh you know she's just you know a normal uh student like the rest of us and has all the same problems that we have and uh you know she happens to play hockey pretty well and uh and i it was a great group of girls that i played with i'm still in contact and friends with quite a few of my teammates in those first few years there with the dinos and uh we now uh, call ourselves the fossils not the dinos anymore so it's a lot of fun <laughs> that's a good that's a good one and i, I yeah. want to ask too because Obviously, you know you you you've you've always had a had a busy life, and time management is is really important to being a, an elite athlete. But did you have to sort of tweak that or learn some new lessons when it was actually you know schoolwork and hockey and other stuff too? Uh, to be honest, not really, because uh, you know I started on the national team when I was fifteen, and so I went through even in high school, grade 11 and 12, I did it my own pace and on the road and very used to that. So I had already finished, uh, you know, part of my bachelor's degree and knew what it was all about being a student. So the hardest part was being able to train your brain to learn again in the, (laughs) in some of the courses that I took and some of the sciences and things like that. But for the most part, uh, it was a pretty easy transition for me, um, probably just because of the background I had. 
Yeah. Haley Wickenheiser joining us tonight on Inside Sports, uh, talking a little bit about going into the Canada West uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, one of the things you're busy with now is uh, working in player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we, we played a clip from Sheldon Keefe talking about your uh, excellent impact that you've, you've had on the team. Just kind of kind of update us on that uh on that role and, and how you are, are able to, you know, how you feel you're contributing and what it's like working with players in that relationship. Yeah, well, I've loved my, uh, my three, it's almost been three years now that I looked at it, um, that I've spent with uh, Leafs and Marlies and probably working uh, fairly equally with both, both groups, as well as some of the junior prospects that we've had in the Western Hockey League and things like that, commuting between Toronto and Calgary. And obviously with medicine, trying to finish up med, med school, I wish I could spend sometimes more time around the, the teams than I, than I do. But uh, the time that I have spent, uh, it's it's really like been a perfect role for me. I can come in and work with players and being still kind of fresh out of playing, I feel like I have uh, some insight that maybe I can share with them. And we have a really good, diverse development staff of, uh, you know, all sorts of experiences in the game that we work really well together. We see, uh, you know, problem solved together with different players. And one of the, the fun things is, helping a player and then watching them implemented in the game later on that night or the next, the next day or so. So it's been really rewarding. I, I also feel like my philosophy of the game really jives with uh, Sheldon's and Greg Moore and the Marley level and Kyle Dubas and just what the Leafs are trying to do here. It's the way that I've always seen the game been played. And I love, love to play the game myself as a player, just puck movement, possession type game. And, um, you still need grit and, and, and physicality to win at this level. But I think uh, focusing on the skill part of the game is where the NHL is going. So it, it's been a great experience for me. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome to hear for sure. And of course, in the midst of all this, you are, uh, I believe, closing in on your medical degree. And I know we talked about a year ago about... Uh, about COVID and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, some of the things uh, you were seeing, um, mm -hmm. give us an update now, what, what you've been seeing and how, you know, uh, you in this profession, uh, are sort of perceiving everything that's going on. Yeah, well, it's been interesting. You know, I never thought I'd be finishing medicine at pandemic. That's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, over the, this past year, I've certainly sort of seen the evolution of the pandemic. One thing as a medical student that you get to do is you get to rotate through specialties like obstetrics and surgery and uh, internal medicine. So, you know, I've really got a glimpse as to what what is kind of happening out there in the, in, with COVID and the pandemic. And I think there's sort of two things that, that are happening now. I mean, we've got the, the vaccines that are that are coming and it's a bit of a race between getting the population vaccinated and catching up with these variants that are also coming, which I, I think a third wave is either it, it happened or inevitably going to happen, unfortunately. And so there's that portion. And there's, uh, I think, secondly, a bit of a mental health fallout, the stress that people have undergone since the pandemic has started has been really hard on people. And you see that in the types of people coming into the emergency room and the family doctor's offices. And then lastly, um, just patients that have been waiting at home because um, they're afraid to come into hospital. So they tend to come into hospital a little sicker than they normally would have. And um, so that I think we're still seeing a little bit of, but I, I do feel that I, I'm an optimistic person by nature. And I think there's a bit of a light here, but I think that it's, 
it would be really premature for people to think that this pandemic is is over and that we're out of the woods. I think we're quite far from that actually. We I, I don't want to put a, a number on it because I'm I'm not I'm not the expert, but I, I think we're months and months away from life as we knew it before. And it's really important for people to get vaccinated and to still stay vigilant with uh, all that's going on. And one thing being inside the NHL is uh, just the amount of testing. You know, getting tested every single day that you go to the rink is a bit of a luxury, but it also reminds me that uh, we can't take it for granted as well. Yeah, yeah, well said for sure. And and so when you're when you have your degree, what what are we going to see you uh, specializing in? Yeah, so I uh, I'm kind of I still have a few weeks to decide, okay. contemplating between uh, family medicine and emergency medicine. I, I've I've always loved emergency medicine, and and quite quite honestly, I, I think I'm going to pick the the route that is easiest for me to blend what I'm doing in hockey with what I want to do in medicine, which is probably. Uh, leaning to a bit towards family, which has quite a lot of flexibility. You can do just about anything with it and you can still work an emergency with it. So um, I'd like to be able to continue my role with the Leafs and what I'm doing in hockey and kind of who knows where, where both will take me down the road, but it's been a nice uh, one gives energy to the other and vice versa. So it's been fun that way. Awesome. Well, Haley, it's always great to have you on the show. And I, I do appreciate you sharing some of those experiences uh, with, with medicine and obviously talking about your Canada West experience too, because we haven't talked about uh, that a lot in our past interviews. So that is really cool. Thanks for jumping yeah. on the show and uh, and all the best. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Reed. We had uh, a lot of good battles with the U of A over the years too. So some of my favorite games were, were played up in Edmonton. So really appreciate it. Yeah, right on. That's Haley Wickenheiser. Now in the Canada West uh, Hall of Fame and uh, almost, uh, almost with a degree in medicine. Good stuff. Inside Sports on Chet, back after the news and weather. Late in the second period, Pittsburgh up 2-1 on Buffalo. Ottawa beats Calgary 3-1. And the Wild beat the Ducks 3-2. Coming up later, Jets and Canucks and Kings and Sharks. Now the Jets are two points back of the Oilers and the Leafs in the North Division. The uh, Jets have played the same number of games as Toronto coming into tonight. They have two games in hand on Edmonton. The Oilers' next game Saturday now against the Toronto Maple Leafs. 3.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, the game will start at 5. They're going to play again Monday. Uh, I, I think it is possible, not certain, but possible the Oilers could maybe stay out east and play a game in Montreal either Tuesday or Wednesday if uh, if everybody's agreeable to tinkering with the schedule. But uh, but that is not for sure, but just something to keep in the back of your mind. Got a text here from Victor. We spent a lot of the show talking about Tim Peel being fired by the NHL after the comment into an open mic. He says, hey, Reed, we all know makeup calls happen. I'm even okay with it. What I'm not okay with is there are different standards for making a call on different players. Connor McDavid should be drawing a penalty per period. Let the stars play. Just because guys can't keep up with McDavid or other stars, doesn't mean they should be allowed to hold and hook and interfere the way they do. Refs and the league don't want teams getting too many power plays, but in my eyes, having a different standard like they do for McDavid compared to slower players is match fixing. 
Connor McDavid's speed is an advantage, but it's being suppressed by the refs. He should be scoring more points because guys aren't allowed to impede him or the Oilers should have more power plays. That is from Victor, 780-496-0063. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, ongoing discussion, obviously, about should be, are, are the star players in the NHL in general, should there be more penalty calls uh, called for players trying to check them or out and out impede them? At times, we are going to go to the Certainteed Hotline, Certainteed Professional Grade Building Materials. It is Jacob Ruby checking in tonight, offensive lineman for the Double A football, Double uh, E football team, which should have an actual name uh, in the weeks to come. Here, Jacob, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Reed. How are you? I am uh, doing very well. It's it's nice to talk to you. Look, Jacob, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here about a, a question related to officiating but it's something people say about football and it's something uh people say about offensive the offensive line and i'm gonna let you answer true false and i'm even gonna let you answer no comment if you want okay gotcha holding could be called on every play (laughs) (laughs) absolutely false there we go <laughs> there we go i'm glad somebody stepped up and said it you must you must hate that as an offensive lineman Ah, oh, the refs could call holding on every play but they just choose not to it's not fair to you guys that's, that's right well we've got we've got a numbers game going against us so we've got five guys five guys on the field at all times so our our probability of of uh attracting a, a penalty or a flag is uh higher than any other position so i'll i'll say that and i'll leave it at that all right uh are you do you feel i don't know how much you've seen about this tim peel situation today um but are you as a as a pro athlete do you accept that makeup calls uh, might happen? That maybe there are things throughout a game a referee or an official in football might manage, so to speak. I mean, I I, I think it's it, it it is attempted to be um, minimized or eliminated as best you can. But I mean, referees know um, when they miss the call. Referees, you know. Um, and then they, they keep that, may keep that in the back of their mind, and and uh, and try to make up for it down the road. So, um, do I think it exists? Uh, of course. Um, I, do I think you know humans are humans are humans? So um, they're going to make mistakes, and I think that's part of the game. And you know, in football and every sport that I've played is you you try to win the game um, to a degree where um, the referees or penalties or other things that uh, won't play a role in it so I think it does happen but um, if you can have anything to, to, to do with it and uh, and win the game another way then you got to do that yeah for sure uh, Jacob Ruby checking in tonight I, I do want to talk to you about some CFL storylines but I always enjoy uh, getting to know players a little bit and their path to, to pro sports and for you to the Canadian Football League I got to be honest with you. I do not know where Arva, Ontario is. Can you educate me? So Arva, um, Arva is a, it's, it's not even, I don't even think it's two kilometers outside of uh, London, Ontario. So um, there's a, there's a very, it, it's a, it's a small town. It's where I went to high school. Um, it's a, it's Medway High School. Um, it was, it's a farm town or originally was a farm town. It's more suburbia now, but, um, it's, that's where 
my family's been going to high school for for generations so um my my grandma went there my mom went there uh my aunts and uncles went there um bunch of farm farm town kids that was the farm town high school okay and was football always your sport of choice uh no i think i was like most um canadian kids that grew up playing hockey and um i probably around probably around grade nine i think i really uh, i really started playing football and um, realized that I could probably be a lot better at this than at that time my role in hockey had developed to the uh, to the enforcer type role. So um, I think I could be a little more productive playing football, and that's when I really um, kind of fell in love with the game, and it worked out for me. Um, you know, being a being a big guy in high school, it was kind of uh, it just kind of fell into my lap being able to play football. Yeah, and so you wound up playing uh, college football for Richmond. Now, is that not the Spiders, one of the most curious team nicknames? <laughs> it is. We're the, we're the only Spiders out there, so you can't miss us. So you did like? Did you have a live mascot? Did they have like a like a nest of spiders on the sideline or what? You, you know, we we didn't. Um, after I had graduated, um, the basketball team actually has a uh, a tarantula that they uh they keep on the sideline there so i we did not but they do now oh amazing okay yeah i'm not a big i'm not a big uh, fan of that uh particular animal I find it a little icky no. but uh, that's right yes <laughs> yes you have to get used to it um all spider. right well what's that fear the spider fear that well yeah there you go yeah there you go a lot of people do for sure well well thanks for checking in tonight look obviously 2020 was uh not a good year and the cfl didn't have a season how did you sort of keep busy and navigate through that well i i, I think uh you know just staying ready i think during the during uh 2020 it, you know the season we didn't find out till pretty late that uh, that it was going to be officially canceled so um, you know, we were training and hoping that we were going to be able to play. And then once it was officially canceled, um, we have a, um, an inflatable rent, a rent, inflatable rental business that we kind of poured our attention into and did that. And, um, you know, trained, um, got to spend a, a summer in, in London, Ontario that I, you know, I haven't spent a summer in London in uh, probably 10 10-ish years because I'm always playing football in college. I was training or doing summer school, whatever. So kind of just enjoying it and hoping that, uh, you know, the next season uh, and this year that uh, we'll play football. All right. Did you do anything with uh, real estate or am I misinformed here? No, I did too. So I have a a property management company um, as well that uh, um, I kind of ramped up as well. It was more so doing stuff for, um, I have rental properties and some friends of mine have rental properties. So it went from doing stuff for them to, um, you know, doing stuff for a bunch of people. And it was kind of word of mouth and, um, just poured my, my attention into that and, uh, and the inflatables and, um, finding a way to stay busy. I mean, I don't, uh, this is, this is new to me, not, not working in the summer and, 
uh, and playing football for the first time and not playing football for the first time in, in a long time. So just finding things. And that was kind of something that I had established already that I was able to just divert my attention to. Jacob, look, can you, if you don't mind, and I know like there are a lot of Canadian football fans like uh, hanging on a thread here, hoping that there's the go-ahead for the season. Uh, I, I think Dan Barnes reported today that maybe starting 18 games in July with a, uh, a limited training camp, no preseason games, uh, that apparently is on the table. But how? what is your outlook for a 2021 CFL season? I'm, I am uh, very confident that we'll, uh, we'll find a way to play. Um, I think we obviously have a number of hurdles to get through in order to make that happen. Uh, first being the, all the protocols um, being approved um, by governments in each province. And uh, once that is complete, and it's, it will be complete, it's, it's, they've already, it was already approved last year and they had a million more hurdles to jump through because we were, we were you know, applying to do a, a bubble model there. And uh, this year we don't have that. Um, we're, we're working on playing in each city. So uh, there is some other things that have to be dealt with, but very confident that that will get done. Uh, and it's not a matter of if, when. Um, and I think once that is complete, uh, the ball will really get rolling um, between the CFLPA and the CFL to, um, to make it happen. So I'm, I'm really confident that we'll play a date when we'll start. I don't have a clue. Um, there's just too much to, to be, to get done. Um, and the, you know, you, you can't run before you can walk. So, uh, first we got to get these government, uh, approvals done. Yeah. Well, you know, TSN's Dave Naylor, who's an excellent CFL reporter, he he wrote something today about the CFL putting something forward to the PA, but it would involve a 20% pay cut to the players until fans start coming back in. I don't know if you can comment on the on the on, on the details about that, but like, is that realistic or fair in your mind? Um, I'll, I'll say this: that you know, the players, um, we've we want to make it work. We want to play football and that's what we do. And we understand that it's a business, um, on the other end. Um, but at the same time, how much are we willing, uh, to give up? And a lot of us, most of us have already, um, taken a pay cut, um, when, you know, through free agency and negotiating, negotiating contracts or extensions, um, because, you know, the league took the stance that they're going to, operate on the the um, floor of the cap and not the ceiling so uh, they're within the right to do that um, but you know we've already taken a we've already taken a hit so to take and we didn't you know play football in 2020 so um, we understand how it works and there's a lot of things that are going to go into this making it work um, and, and both sides have come together they did it last year we had a, um, a, a CBA uh, agreed upon and the CFL chose not to to play football so I'm, I'm confident that we'll be able to get a deal done um, and and we have a, a strong team uh, being a CFLPA rep um, our board and our executives and our bargaining committee um, is strong and they're they're good good people and they're good at what they do so um, I'm very confident that they'll do their job and they'll take care of the players Okay. Well, and I should ask you about the uh, the team. 
uh, you have a new coach uh, again. Scott, I mean, Scott Milanovic unfortunately didn't get to work a game, but Jamie Elizondo comes in as the coach. Uh, I know people are really excited about Darrell Walker coming back and some other signings. Uh, I mean, what can people expect once uh, there are games on the field? Uh, a, a lot of points uh, from Edmonton. I mean, our, our offense, uh, even you just named a bunch of names there. Uh, Trevor, we got a ton of guys back. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're looking pretty good, but, uh, the first thing is, you know, we haven't played football in a year. Um, and we're looking, we're kind of chomping at the bit, ready to go and play football. But I can tell you when, when we're back in Edmonton, um, it's, it's going to be fun and it's going to be, uh, we're going to try to put on a show for everyone. Right on. Well, Jacob, thanks for the update. You know, I'm glad to hear the optimism. I know a lot of other people are too. Of course, we have the double E football games uh, on 630 Chet all season long. And and also by then, I don't think we're going to be calling you the double E football team. You'll you'll, you'll have a new name, which will be nice to to use that as well. So thanks for the update tonight. And thanks for telling us a little bit about too, about your path to the CFL. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. That is Jacob Ruby, offensive lineman for the EEs on Inside Sports. 7.49, we're going to call a quick timeout. That's the new She and the Oilers in Montreal. Practicing, practicing, practicing. Well, they had a pretty good scrimmage today. Sound like it was a lot of fun. Mike Smith pulled himself, apparently, according to Dave Tippett, after allowing a couple of questionable goals. 3.30 face-off show on Saturday. Game at 5. Oilers at Leafs. Then they're going to play again on Monday. A lot of discussion today about the uh, Tim Peel firing after the comment into the open mic last night in the Nashville Detroit game, uh, you know, Tyler Ennis, uh, Dave Tippett, and Adam Larson were all very thoughtful in their uh, media comments today on the Oilers' Zoom call. Tyler Ennis uh, talked about what the players need from the referees. I think the biggest thing is the standard that needs to be set, you know, from the start of the game or the start of the season throughout. Um, that's what gets frustrating for everybody is if, uh, you know, something's called a certain way and then maybe it doesn't get called later on. That that's the thing that I think upsets people mostly. So if the standard's set, it's like anything. If you set the standard and you call it that way throughout the entirety, then I think everyone understands. But uh, when things get a little bit out of whack is when things get frustrating. All right, that is uh, Tyler Ennis commenting today. The Raptors, well, the uh, lead has diminished. Now 72-67 lead over the uh, Denver Nuggets about four and a half minutes into the third quarter. Tough goal lately for uh, the Raptors. Nuggets are 26-17 and on the season. In the NHL, it's now after two in Pittsburgh, and it looks like Buffalo is headed towards another loss. 4-1, the Penguins lead it. They have outshot the uh, Sabres 34-18 through two periods. John Marino has a goal in that game, a guy who was uh, property of the Edmonton Oilers before deciding to move on to the Penguins. The Wild beat the Ducks. 3-2, and it was the Senators over the Flames, 3-1, as uh, the Flames are in tough once again. They dropped to 15-16-3 on the season. Uh, Peter from Wainwright says, Hey, Reed, my one-and-a-half-year-old just turned on your show on Radio Player. 
So I guess it's me and Amika listening for the next half hour. Well, hi, Amika. Thanks for got to start them young, Kellen. We need those new listers. Yep. Got to bring the young ones there's in. A, I don't know if there is a better show for toddlers than Inside Sports. I, I, I really think that should be our target demographic. Absolutely. Kind of matching the maturity level of the host. Anton says, Reed, uh, oh, he's texting in from Calgary, I guess. Oilers fan down here in Cowtown. Crazy how upset these fans are for the loss to the Sins. LOL, happy to be an Oilers fan, win or lose. Well, thank you, Anton. Yes, I'm sure people taking uh, in oil country taking joy in the struggles of the Calgary Flames. All right. Well, I got to go. They're playing me off. Adler's coming up next. Don't forget, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. We will have Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show, the one and only Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.